Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to save more and spend less. And don't let anyone ever rip you off, especially not me. Do you ever feel ripped off by what you hear me say, my advice, my guidance, my information, opinions? Go to Clark.com slash ClarkStinks and post that. Now, coming up later, we have our weekly edition of Clark Stinks on our show. And that's where you get to hear what other people have posted at Clark.com slash Clark Stinks. And again, that's coming up. I want to tell you about a promising development. First, background. Whenever I get an email from any bank, credit card company, credit union, anything, I automatically assume it's bogus. And it turns out that standard consumer behavior now, that people are so afraid that the emails they're getting from a financial institution are bogus, they just delete them without opening them. Guilty as charged, I do that. Well, this has become a giant frustration for the financial services industry and that people have become so distrusting that email from commerce is legit that they just don't even pay attention. So there's a new industry standard that has been developed for a verified certificate. Now, I I don't know if we'll have problems with criminals trying to impersonate this or not, but the standard, which was developed by a number of organizations, Google is one of them, which was a very important part of this, and so they have a tool that validates that the logo in an email you receive is actually coming from that organization. So if you got an email from Xfinity, if you have them for cable or television, and you're like, I mean, cable or internet, and you see an email from Xfinity that you know that it's legit because you'll see this particular digital signal or symbol. Um, And this is true now as banks start to join this initiative. And it's one of those things that if we're not informed of it and we don't know what to look for, then this is a useless initiative. So I want you to know that the validation process, in theory, is designed to prevent scamsters from being able to come up with their own fake logo to defeat the verification process. But we'll see over time if what's known as the verified mark is actually something that will be truly trustworthy. I just want you to know that if you start seeing an unusual way of representing the logo of an organization in an email, that's what it's about, is about verifying for you that it is a legit email instead of a fake one. But what remains true today, as much as it did yesterday, is that do not ever click to reply to an email in that email. 
do not call the number that you're told to call in an email because what if it's fake, either the phone number or the email address or the web address, and you end up dealing with crooks who are trying to con you. That's why I always go elsewhere to verify the email address, the web address, or phone number for an organization that I'm attempting to contact. Deanne is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Deanne. Hey, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Deanne. So you're nervous about retirement, I gather. Um, yes, I'm one of the uh, 70%, and so I'm calling as a representative of that group. And I know largely you have people, well, you, lately you've had a lot of people in their 20s, 30s, and 40s call in that are very together, and I definitely salute them, but I'm not in that group yet. Though I can say that we have turned over a new leaf, and we are doing what we need to do, but... You know, I've run different scenarios, and I may be working till I'm 77, which would be okay. That would be, you know, then we would be living at, um, you know, a, a standard of living close to what we are now. But the thing is, is that my husband is eight years older than I am, <clears throat> and I have parents who are alive and well, and I would like to be able to spend time with them. So I'm exploring out of the box and I want you know I was thinking like is there a mini business I could start um, you know that wouldn't take tremendous amounts of time and so forth and then I thought well I'll call Clark and see if he can throw anything into the mix right so uh, as you said overwhelmingly people have not been able to save uh, any meaningful amount of money towards retirement and you got close to that time, and you're like, what am I going to do now? And so here you you are in a position, you've started really focusing on it, putting money aside, and you're still looking at age 77, which uh, I think you said your, your husband would be 85 at that time? Right. Yeah. And so it's like, how many years would you have left to enjoy your parents? How many years would you have to enjoy life without having to work all the time and and this is a tough dilemma so right one thing i would consider uh, you have obvious longevity in your family if your parents are still with us is that instead of specifically concentrating on how am i going to work a lot more hours now to generate more money now you might think of it a little differently and that is that through your 70s, you keep working part-time, but less hours. And as as um, it's possible for you to work, to keep dialing that back so that you're working a smaller number of hours, instead of looking at an arbitrary date that you go from working like a maniac to be able to generate savings to not working at all. That makes sense. Yeah, because so it people have to be an either or. And people in your situation do exactly what you did, completely normal. That you look at it like, oh, I'm going to be working till I'm a thousand, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and instead, yeah. if you thought of it as work being something that remains a part of your life for maybe a substantial period of time, 
but where you do free up some time where you're working uh, a smaller number of days or you take a longer time off at a time that it would be great to go see your parents or whatever, that you think right. of it that way that that you are going to gradually over the next uh, many, many years dial back the number of hours you devote to work instead of going from all to nothing. Okay, I like that. Thank you very much. Um, if you do want to pick up some part-time cash instead of looking at starting a business you're going to have to invest in, there are a lot of um, part-time opportunities you can do that you schedule up or down based on your convenience. I have a not exhaustive list, but I've got a number of things you can do part-time at your schedule on Clark.com. None of them are going to make you big money, though. Yeah, <clears throat> right. But the more years you continue to generate income, it means you need a smaller amount of money moving forward each year as you live out the rest of your life. And so don't look at this as this thing that I'm going to be working um, all these years. Instead, think of it as you're gradually working less through many years. Rob is with us on the Clark Howard Show. So, Rob, I understand you're a landlord trying to help your tenants. Yes, I have a lease to own on my last house, and I had thought that they would purchase it, but they've been in the home for three years, and uh, they're having trouble getting a mortgage. Now, I heard a couple weeks ago some renters are actually paying to get credit based on their utilities, but is there a way for me as a landowner to to help them to report their, because um, they've paid on time for three years and I want them to get credit. Yeah, there are a number of services where the rent they pay can be reported. I'm not aware of services that would allow you to retroactively report their good payments. But okay. moving forward, you can. So I have a, a really crazy question because you obviously really like these tenants, and they've been a good payer over these three years, right? If they keep paying for the next 13 years, I can't but I also still have a mortgage on the place, and I want to get out from underneath that mortgage. Oh, I, so you, you uh, took the wind so right out of my... <laughs> Rob, you took the wind yeah. right out of my sales of what I was going to suggest, which is that yeah. you provide the mortgage to them since you know they're such good payers, but if you still have a mortgage on the property, that's not going to work. I could possibly pay off the mortgage. Um, it's on its, you know, the third person, the note. Uh, I looked at refinancing, and the closing cost just wasn't worth it. I need to move it to an end, which was another plan that I had to get it off of my personal credit and move it to an LLC. Well, but I love the idea if you if you have you really obviously uh, want these people to succeed, and if they've been a great payer for three years, you know their background, it can actually be more profitable for you being the mortgage company collecting the payments from them moving forward than being the landlord renting them the place. Uh, you have the risk that if their life turned negative, 
and they don't pay you, you would have to foreclose. I've had to do that one time, but I've done owner financing seven times over the years, and it's worked out beautifully for me six of those times. So it is an alternative that you might consider is a way for you to be able not just to help them, but also to help yourself if you are able to figure out a way to pay off that remaining balance, and then you sell it to them, and you're the bank. You get nice interest from doing that. Chris is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Chris. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Chris. So you serve in the U.S. military. Thank you for that. Oh, Thank you for your service, Clark. How many years do you have and what branch? Uh, a little over seven years, and I'm in the Navy. And so uh, you have a relocation question for me, which is uh, one of the things that you get to do in the military is you get to move typically every three or so years. Where are you going from and to? Yes, sir, that's correct. I'm currently stationed in Maryland, and we'll be moving to Hawaii next spring. (laughs) Couldn't they move you in, let's say, October? So you wouldn't have to deal with another winter in Maryland? (laughs) I know. I thought I was going to miss winter, uh, but I I don't think so after being here for a few years. Oh, man. I I lived through five Maryland winters, and it's dark and cold and wow. Okay. (laughs) How can I serve you with this move? So my question is uh, about home ownership. So we bought a house uh, up here a couple months after we moved here. And my plan when I found out that I was going to Hawaii is to sell this house so that I can use the VA loan to purchase another home in Hawaii and hopefully keep that as some sort of long-term investment when I leave. I'm just trying to see what your take on that is and uh, if you think that would be a good idea. That's a a fairly high-risk endeavor because buying a home in Hawaii, as you'll discover as you go look at real estate, is atrociously expensive and rents are not a bargain there but but the cost of buying a home is really off the charts and yeah that's that's what i've seen from looking so i know there are people in the navy who've done that but i would actually encourage you to rent first and really think through is it a place you want to own real estate and okay. uh, I, I just don't know that that's going to be the best move because real estate that performs well over time tends to be real estate that when you buy it, you can then rent it out for enough money that you're going to cover what your normal costs are for that property each month. Or you can follow an even simpler method that you've got to be able to generate rent equivalent each month to 1% of the value of that property, by either of those standards, you're going to have a hard time making a rental property in Hawaii work. Most people who buy uh, real estate in Hawaii do it with the idea of it being a part-time fun place for them, and to try to reduce the overall overhead of doing that, they rent it out. But they don't okay. generally make money from doing it unless they've owned the place a long, long time. Okay. 
And also, if you go from Hawaii to a, a new duty station, wherever in the world it might be, it's hard to manage that property from so far away. Okay, so so would you recommend against using like a rental management company, if that were the case? Well, that's what people normally do in the Hawaiian Islands, and you're going to give up a meaningful amount of the rent using okay. a management company. So I would really go slow on this. There's no harm in you renting a place at first, and then later, as you really know the lay of the land, as you're there longer and longer, if you decide to go ahead and buy a place, you'll know the area that you're comfortable buying it, and you'll be comfortable with the numbers as well. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. Worst of all is if you feel ripped off by me, because you expect me to give you good guidance, good advice, good opinions. But what if you hear something from me and you're like, Clark's an idiot, or you think I'm just wrong, or I missed the story, I missed the point. I need to hear from you. That's why we have Clark.com slash Clark Stinks, where you can post how I can serve you better. And then weekly, our producer Krista goes through your posts on Clark Stinks and shares highlights with you right here and right now. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. All right, I'm going to start out with a fun one today. Clark will stink after he tries this, but in a good way. Clark often talks about downhill skiing by taking advantage of discounts and promotions, but I have never heard him talk about cross-country skiing. Cross-country skiing is far more economical and affordable than expensive lift tickets and stays at exclusive ski resorts. And cross-country skiing ties into Clark's penchant for vigorous exercise and a healthy lifestyle. I challenge Clark to try a cross-country ski vacation this winter and report back. He'll stink from all the good exercise, but his bank account will have the sweet smell of more money. David. David, I appreciate the suggestion and the advice. I have cross-country skied in the past, and uh, I didn't really enjoy it as much as you do. And I get, I'm totally exhilarated by downhill skiing. So I know that I'm paying a bundle for those lift tickets, but it's one time I'm willing to splurge as long as I can find the lift tickets at a discount. Clark did a segment on the failing healthcare system where his main criteria is the average age of death. However, he failed to disclose that we have many more early deaths from cars and suicide than other countries. That said, poor diets lead to tremendous increases of diabetes and heart disease. The healthcare system cannot be responsible for dictating what people put in their mouths. If we would follow the Clark system of daily exercise and a healthy diet, then the U.S. would have the longest living population for sure. Stop blaming the system and start blaming the people who are the cause, Drew. And there were several posts like this one. Yeah, anytime I talk about us having shorter lifespans than even a lot of third world countries now, we do get a a blowback on it. And your point is very well taken, except saying that I 
eat well. Yeah. So I, I do say. exercise <laughs> like a maniac. My eating has improved, but it needs to get better. Uh, the the tragedy we have in the United States from the uh, drug overdoses and the suicides known as deaths of despair just tears at my gut. It just upsets me so much. And we've got a lot of unfinished business in the United States to address what's causing so much despair among so many people, especially younger men. And I, I hope that as a society, instead of spending so much time with the politicians fighting each other, that we address that issue. On the, on the other thing, maybe it is misleading for me to talk so much about our lousy lifespans in the United States, but it is absolutely insane the amount we spend on health care in the United States. And there are very well-developed countries that have very well-functioning health care systems that spend so much less of their national wealth, very wealthy countries, that it's stunning and we need to deal with the inefficiencies and the marketplace incentives or disincentives that we have in the U.S. Clark, Sorry you're... that was so long-winded. Healthcare is a messy thing. Clark, you're great and don't stink, but here are two areas where I feel you have provided incomplete information. One, when you rave about LED bulbs, one thing that you've never mentioned is how many of them are excessively bright and consumers may need to reduce wattage and or the number of bulbs to have a comfortable lighting level. After my office replaced the lighting with LEDs, the lights were so bright that I would need to wear a sun visor to be able to tolerate them. As a result, I can no longer use the overhead lighting in my office and had to get a desk lamp instead. Many office workers are suffering headaches and other discomforts from being exposed to these extremely bright lights all day on a daily basis. So and the one. employer, thank you, and the employer's wasting money by having an excessive amount of light in the environment. LED lights, by the way, can cast any shade that you want because they're basically miniaturized computers they can make the light soft, bright, white, whatever you want, in colors. And second, regarding the female caller a while back who insisted that women do not want fake lab-created diamonds, you could have used this opportunity to educate your listeners on how bad mining is for the environment and how dangerous mining is to human miners. As a woman, I would insist on the more ethical lab-created diamond over a traditional mine diamond. You're the best. Keep up the great work, Mindy. Mindy, thank you. You know, the reality is lab-created diamonds are going to own the market because the, they are chemically identical and the cost of producing them is going to be so tiny compared to the cost of digging them out of the earth. Hi, Clark. I'm a huge fan of your show and trust your advice on a lot of topics. However, where we differ in opinion is on the cost of Apple phones versus Androids. When you take into account the total life cycle of the phone, you find that the price evens out. For example, if you purchased an iPhone X in 2017 for $1,000, you could resell that device right now for $500. If you purchase a Gal Galaxy S8 in the same year for $750, you could resell it today for $250. In both scenarios, you're looking at $250 per year. Additionally, when you account for the average usage of three hours per day, your total cost of ownership in either scenario is only 22 cents per hour. 
At that rate, you may as well pick up the operating system that is most comfortable to you, regardless of the higher upfront cost of the Apple device. Thank you, Mr. Howard. Oh, Nate. oh, what's, what's the poster's name? Nate. Nate. I don't know your last name, so I can't call you Mr. Whatever. Please call me Clark. Anyway, so the great news is that Apple has gotten it now, you know, because they've been losing so much market share around the world, except in the United States and in the United Kingdom. And so when the iPhone 11 was introduced, which is their new main phone, the price was made very affordable, relatively speaking, way below that $1,000 mark that Apple had been pushing towards. And they are now going after market share. And the funny thing is, for the first time in forever, the main Apple phone, the 11, will be cheaper than the Samsung equivalent. And so that's going to lead to lower prices across the cell phone market. $699 is the lead price on the 11, by the way. There was a question about giving your social security number when applying for jobs. What I do is this. I flip my last two numbers and apply. If I were hired, you have to go through paperwork with HR. And at that time, I will correct my social security number. Steve. Well, that's a clever idea. Um, I don't know that that will not cause any problems in a background check, but the idea of giving a social security number on an initial application that you file electronically and you're not really certain who it's going to is really dangerous. And companies are stupid to collect social security numbers too early in the screening process. Just listen to a podcast where Clark says he can't think of why someone would want a car loan. Come on, Clark. Think a bit harder. When I bought my last car, I bid it out using several different regions' zip codes. Got my best price by several thousand dollars by driving a couple of hours south. I told them I would only purchase with a 0% interest loan. They wrote it up. So now I'm a proud owner of a 60-month car loan. Why is easy. I'm on auto, auto pay, so the effort definitely isn't an issue. What is? One, inflation. I'm paying with cheaper dollars as time goes on. And two, credit mix. I needed this type of loan in my credit mix to get my FICO score back to 850. Bruce. Bruce, uh, you know, if you can make that work for you, that's great. Most people are not in a position to be disciplined like you are. If you are someone who's been an 850 credit score, obviously you handle money very well and why would I disagree with anything you said? Phew, something is rotten in the state of Den Clark. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you, did you write that? No. So that's your kind of I thing, wish. exactly. A caller stated his intention to enroll his child in private school at the age of three or four, and he inquired about using a tax-advantaged 529 plan to pay for it. Although you gave some great tips, you laid a rotten egg that could cost the caller a lot of money if he pays out of pocket for preschool. You should have asked if he has access to or already makes use of a dependent care FSA. After all, preschool and nursery school are qualified expenses. He could deposit $5,000 each year pre-tax and use it to pay for a large part of his child's tuition, thus saving himself a good chunk of money. Come on, Clark, freshen up. And next time, remember this above all. To thine caller's wallets be true. Oh, this is great. Okay, so I am guilty as charged because that's how 
I paid for my kids' preschools over the years, years, and that I didn't think of that in that call was terrible on my part because I know better. So thank you for bringing that up. Uh, If you're not aware of what dependent care allowances are, you're allowed under the tax code to put aside, as the poster said, five grand that is pre-tax money that can go towards the expenses of a child up to uh, through their 13th year, but uh, using it for a preschooler is the easiest and most common use. Okay, and a quick last one, Clark. You don't really stink, but please quit quit telling people about Capitol Reef National Park. When we first started going there to hike and camp about 20 years ago, there were relatively few visitors. Now it's hard to get a campsite and the trails are crowded. I blame you, Kent. Well, Kent, I wish that it was my fault, but actually this is a big controversy in the state of Utah is that the national parks there that were lonely are overwhelmed with visitors. And so the key now to go to those magnificent parks in Utah is to go before the summer or after the summer in order to avoid the crush of people who have discovered the magnificently beautiful treasures of South Central Utah. I appreciate all your posts. Please go to clark.com slash clarkstinks and let me know how I can serve you better. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Sam is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Sam. Hi, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Sam. understand you want me to figure out a puzzle of money for you. (laughs) Yes, sir. And let me lay it out for you. (laughs) I'm ready. I, I had an adjustable life insurance policy. I sent it with your advice to Mr. Jim Hunt and let him look at my rate of return on it. And after talking with him, and let me tell you that if people want to do that, they really should do it. It's it's worth it. He talked to me on the telephone. He emailed back and forth. It was great. So I have decided to just cash it in, invest it um, as, as I see. I, I'm not real sure which way we're going to go with it. But now I need to do a term life insurance. I am 52. My husband's four years older than me. We don't have huge bills. Um, I I don't see any reason in me getting personally a $500,000 life insurance policy. All right, we're going to talk about that in a second, but I've got to go back and explain who that gentleman is. So the Consumer Federation of America offers a service that takes a life insurance policy you have 
that you can't figure out, should I keep paying on this? Should I not? Whatever. And they will evaluate that policy for you and tell you, should you keep it? Should you dump it? Should you convert it in some way? And it's really hard to get that kind of unbiased advice from an expert. And Mr. Hunt used to be a state insurance commissioner, understands insurance backwards, forwards, inside out, and he leads that effort evaluating those policies. And it was it 135 for him to do so, or how much was it? Yes, sir. It was 135. I know on your website it says 100, but it is 135. Inflation. I sent it, yeah, I sent it to him, and he was back to me the next day. It was it was great. That's now, fantastic. He, he wrote in English, but it was some English that I didn't understand. So I called him, <laughs> <laughs> and he was really nice and took time and explained what his re- what his writing meant. <laughs> so, well, well let's know. talk about your insurance situation. So for you, how many more years are you planning to work? I will probably work. Me and my husband are both savers. We invest. I have a 401k. He has a pension. So whenever he gets ready to retire, I might work a couple of years after him. So maybe Sixty-seven, maybe. Okay, so maybe. fifteen years. Well, let's say fifteen years. Yeah. So maybe. you buying a level term policy for fifteen years would make a lot of sense to provide financial security for him in the event that you unfortunately passed away during your work cycle. And level right. term is dirt cheap to buy. Okay. And, and approximately, how much do you earn a year? Probably around 50. So then the 500's right. Really? Yeah, because the income that's going to generate per year, uh, he's going to need that 500. But he will continue working and right? we don't but, have but, that many bills. But both of your, and I mean, you don't want him to live a, a less fun life. Well, he's going to live a less fun life because you're gone, but you don't want him to live <laughs> a life financially that would be less fun. True. All right. True. So if he were, sorry to ask you this, but if he were to pass away, do you get that pension of his still? Yes. So his need for insurance is for a shorter period of time based on his age. He should probably have a 10-year policy and you have a 15-year. And just to keep it simple, do that 10 years level term, 10 times income for him, 15 years level term, 10 times your income and that'll create peace of mind, and it's so cheap. It's very, very gr- great. It's a very great way for you to create financial security. Can I spit that out? You're listening to the Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.